0: Finally, we are finally doing the second episode of All About the Gear. I feel like I feel like an episode of Lost or something where everything is like <laughs> conspiring against us to do the show, but yet we persevere. What what's going on? Why couldn't I we do the show?
1: I, I don't know. I think maybe it's a challenge and they wanna make the world wants to make sure that we really want to do this and, and that we're prepared.
0: I know. It's like I, I kinda of feel like like the, the gods on Mount Olympus are up there, and you are like, you know what? How about I kill Frederick's <laughs> internet today? Let's see. <laughs> we're going to make him work for it. You know? <laughs> we're going to make him work for it. But uh, all right, man. So let's, uh, let's kick this thing off. We're, we're doing all about the gear number two, right? Episode right. number
1: two. Episode number two.
0: Okay, number so one, I'll just number do... one
1: was our pilot. This is our first official episode.
0: Yes, and and we've got Borrow Lenses, our friend over at, friends over at Borrow Lenses, are on board. So I'm going to talk about that during the show. So I'll yeah. do it. will do the intro, and then we'll uh, we'll jump right into it. Okay. All right, here we go. And I'm winging this intro. <laughs> <laughs> I'm winging the whole show. Come on. <laughs> All right, here we go. All right, welcome back to episode number two of. All about the gear, featuring the guy that's on the hot seat to talk all about the gear. And that's Doug Kay, by the graces of our good friends over at borrowlenses.com, who have agreed to feed Doug's gear addiction <laughs> to, with an IV drip of gear of things for him to test. The thing, the things that he's been he's been testing over the past couple of weeks, or I think a week or so, right, Doug? At yeah, least two weeks. A week and a half. Yeah, has been uh, some gear that most of us don't own and may not own, and that's um, some of the Leica equipment that we're going to talk about. So we're going to dive into Leica in general, um, and what's the mystique about Leica, and does it make sense for you to be forking over that much money, and how much is that much money? All that stuff. So we're going to talk about that in this episode of All About the Gear. Doug K is here. So Doug, let's just jump right into it. What, okay. do, you have, what do you have this week to play with?
1: Okay, Uh, I started out with uh, the Leica M9, which is a camera from uh, back in 2009 it was first released, with a pair of lenses, and uh, then with the help of Chris Chabot uh, over at Snapsation, I was able to get my hands on an M240, which is the most recent M camera, Mm -hmm. Uh, and we'll talk about both of those. and uh, and another another fifty millimeter lens, but this is what I've been playing with for the last week and a half, and I've had a lot of fun. Uh, I can tell you that it has been one of the most challenging gear reviews I have ever had, because the conclusions are very very hard to draw.
0: Okay, I want to dive into that. I have a feeling because this, like most good interviews, then then I feel like I do they're rooted in stuff that I actually want to know, and I I really want to know about this, this particular camera and the Leica brand in general. It sounds like you walked through some weeds in order to, to, to come to the conclusions you came to. So let's start with price. Okay. So this guy right here, if I was to walk out or go to B&H online or something and want to buy this thing, how much is it going to set me back?
1: Okay, well the M9 you probably can't find except used and this is about 4500 used for the body only uh wow. the 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 M2400 is I'm sorry the M240 is about a $7000 body.
0: So wait 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 it th- sounded like you said 7000.
1: I it sound didn't it sound that way? Yes, I said $7000 for the body alone for the M240. And remember these are cameras that don't have autofocus. Uh, they don't have a whole sorts of things that you come to expect in most cameras, even point and shoots. But seven grand and by the way, you can't actually get one from B and H. It's gonna be back ordered for as long as six months.
0: Now is is that price just an exercise in marketing price perception where you just you know you price it really high and then only certain people that want the cachet of having been able to afford that and Showing it at parties and photographer events would you know sort of benefit from that is that well,
1: this is the, you have hit on the the overall important point of this show perhaps and We're going to get probably hate mail from both sides I'm predicting more mail on this show than perhaps anything we've done on Twitter <laughs> before um, if you're a like a fan You, of course, think it's worth it because you shelled out all that money. I mean, remember, a starter kit for the body and a couple of lenses is going to set you back $20,000, okay? So, this is, you know, we're talking about the Rolexes and the Ferraris of cameras here. Yeah. Uh, So, if you're a Leica fan, of course it's worthwhile. It's not, you know, some marketing overpriced thing. For a lot of people, would disagree with that, said the stuff is way overpriced and you're basically paying Rolex prices for a watch that's no more accurate than a Timex. Yeah um, so that's you know sort of what we'll be talking about uh, through the course of the review. But it is the for those who want to be able to turn off the show and you know go back to work, here's the bottom line. <laughs> uh, the lenses are extraordinary. They are among the best lenses I've ever used. The bodies are a pain in the ass, um, but the combination of lenses and bodies, Give you a look that I don't think you can get with much other gear that's out there.
0: Okay, so what what is that? What's that look? You know, I want to get into the pain in the ass stuff. You know, and and understand that. But what's the when you say when you say the quality of the glass? You know, or the the quality of the the images that you get out of that glass is different. What am I going to see different side by side with you know that camera with this M nine with, M9, with equivalent glass on a you know another mirrorless type camera?
1: Well, that's that's a really good question and that, there's something to consider and that is Lens sharpness is independent of the sensor, okay? the, the When a lens is sharp, it's going to be sharp on every sensor. For example, I put these Leica lenses on my Sony NEX 7 and my NEX 6 and they're just as sharp as they are on the Leica so that's the the first thing about these lenses is they are incredibly sharp, sharp all do the way to the same
0: look? Do you have that same look? So when you put those lenses on your Sony did you and you mentioned before that they have this look did you get that same look on the Sony with the Leica lens?
1: No you don't okay. and okay. you know and I and, I, and this is where, the, where it was such a challenging thing I'm pretty much of a geeky guy I like specifications and technical this and that. So if you take this camera the M9 and you go and you look at DXO Mark and you look at their sensor ratings, this camera's sensor is one of the lowest they've ever rated for a, certainly lowest of a full size sensor. Because mm-hmm. let's point out one thing this M9 is probably the first full frame mirrorless camera. This is a mirrorless camera, after all, yeah. uh, and it's you know it's already what four years old. So you know there's all this excitement about mirrorless full frame. Well, this has been around for a long time. Mm-hmm. So um, anyway, the sensor is very poorly rated. I mean, you would look at this, you would say, well, why would I borrow that? Because buy that because I can get almost anything that's rated better. But yet the look of the pictures doesn't correspond to those low sensor ratings, and nice. it's it's. Caused a lot of heartburn for me because I have had to abandon the concept that sensor ratings are as important as I always thought they are, and that's one thing I recommend for our viewers is to take that into consideration. Sensor ratings are not all they appear to be. I get, are, for example, are
0: you looking to for your sensor ratings, DxO. Yeah, DxO. Okay, DxO. That's where I go. Um,
1: and what do you get from this? Well, it's hard to describe. Uh, one thing is when you pull in the RAW files from this camera, the RAW files straight out of the camera look much better than what you're going to get from something like a Sony or a Nikon or a Canon. Mm-hmm. Uh, so what this leads me to believe is that the processor in the camera, the, uh, the computer that's basically taking the data from the sensor and turning it into the DNG file, and, and these cameras use DNG as their native RAW format, uh, is doing stuff because these images are more saturated, they are um, uh, more contrasty, but yet everything you need is there, the full dynamic range is there. And in fact, if you look at those DXO ratings, it says this sensor should have bad dynamic range, it should be very poor, the blacks should plug up, the highlights should burn out, Mm when other sensors don't. But it's just not the case. You have really excellent dynamic range from these. So I can't answer the technical part of it. I can tell you that the stuff looks really good.
0: Okay so then if you if you put an image that you that you captured with that setup right there um next to you know a a something that you get pulled out of your Nikon or something you know and and printed those side by side and did a blind test would you as uh, having used the the Leica for a week would you be able to tell the difference between the two shots
1: I would say Yes, you certainly could tell the difference. I'm not sure you would immediately say, "Oh, this is the Leica. This is the Nikon." I mean, the D800, of course, has a marvelous sensor. Um, I don't happen to own any Nikon lenses that are as sharp, for example, as this, like a 28 millimeter. Mm-hmm. So on sharpness, um, it'd be tough. You know, I shot some stuff to Golden Gate Bridge two nights ago, and I got pretty sharp with the 800. Um, but uh, these are, you know.
0: Kick ass sharp. I mean they're just amazing. So but are they are they seven thousand dollars or or you know that level sharp is what I'm getting to. Is well, is a, it worth it?
1: Yeah, well it's the it's the Rolex watch, it's the you know stereo speakers, you know, what do you have to pay to get that last little bit of sharpness that you can't get for something more moderately priced? So mm-hmm. you're paying a real premium to get that last little bit. Yeah. I mean the bottom line is I'm not going to run out and get one of these cameras. I'm not going to pay for it. This is going back to borrow lenses. Thank you very much, borrow lenses. Uh, Mm -hmm. But it's not going to be replaced in in my thing. And part of that is I honestly don't think I'm a good enough photographer that that incremental difference is going to make the difference between me getting a shot I'm happy with and one that I'm not happy with.
0: So flip it. Flip it on the side. So say you were on that trip and you just got back. Where were you? You were just... Turkey. You're in Turkey, yes. so and you brought along your Sony EX with you, and you know that was and you were you wrote an article about how liberating it was to have so little gear you know, with you aside from having you know, big DSLRs and all that stuff. Mm-hmm. So if you were to go back in time, not take the Sony with you and take that kit with you, the Leica, what would you have sacrificed?
1: Uh, I would have had trouble with the rangefinder focusing in certain situations so there are some shots I wouldn't have been able to get because of that Mm -hmm. Uh, I wouldn't have had a long lens uh, as it was I took a a 18-200 to zoom with my uh, Sony so I wouldn't have had that zoom range I might not have had some of the wide-angle as well Um, uh, other than that yeah, other than that, I would have been able to get all the shots. <laughs>
0: other than night. not being able to get the shots yeah. I wanted, it would have yeah. been
1: fine. <laughs> I, I would have come back with shots that were a little better looking, but I would have missed some shots if all I had done was taken the Leica kit. Now, the Leica people are going to freak out again, but that's that's okay. I'll deal with those. I'll deal yeah. with
0: them. Yeah. So then, like, let's talk a little bit about the sensors Doug, that are in the, in the M9. In, the, in our notes here, we have the M240. What's, what are the differences between the two? I want to get my brain around. Because I don't understand the Leica world. Like, I don't understand, like, the lens <laughs> mounts. Because you mentioned earlier that you could take a Leica lens and put it on an NEX. Is it the same, you know, email? I mean, what's going on? What's going on, yeah, what's going on with the world.
1: sensors? Yeah. First of all, uh, it's a full-frame sensor. Uh, the M9 and the M9P, which succeeded it, are about 18.5 megapixels, uh, made by Kodak. They're CCD sensors, which isn't important, but it's an interesting thing, as you'll see in a minute. Mm-hmm. Um, as I said, they're they're rated low by DXO DXOMark, so don't even worry about that. They're one of those um, systems that does not have the anti-aliasing filter on the front, mm-hmm. and whereas on the Nikon D800E, uh, I can't really tell the difference myself between the 800E and the 800 that does have the anti-aliasing filter. My guess is that not having it on this camera makes a difference in sharpness, simply because the lenses are so, so damn sharp. Okay. Um, uh, the ISO is interesting. This thing, ha- sort of, uh, th- this first camera, the um, the M9, you sort of don't want to go above ISO 800. It gets pretty noisy, and of course. Mm-hmm. When you have a real sharp lens, the noise starts to defeat the purpose of having the sharp lens. Uh, the 240, which I'll we'll talk about in a second, goes up another stop and a half, or even two stops. Uh, it's a much better camera in terms of noise. So people are shooting with those at 1600 or 3200 and getting away with it. And again, some of the glass is real, real fast, so that helps a lot too. So that's sort of it on the sensors. Or well, let me jump ahead and tell you a little bit about the 240 sensors here. Um, that sensor, what they did is, they switched to the um, uh, the CMOS sensor, which caused a lot of consternation. But they did a good job, and the 240 also has a 24 megapixel sensor instead of 18 and a half. so it's up there in that make you know you know what's now what's now the middle <laughs> range of sensors. It used to be the high range, right? But right. it's it's pretty right. good, and um, uh, you know it's uh, the the 240 definitely has a better sensor, and since you you can't get either one of them. You can't buy an M9 new, and
0: you can't buy a 240 new. So why is I mean, why why can't I go out if I'm watching this right now? How come I can't just say, you know what, Doug, sold. I'm in that market. I got some extra cash laying around from some, you know, some good stock investments. I want to go get one right now. A, how come I can't go a, get one? It's,
1: it's a waiting list. It's just a waiting list. They can't keep up with the demand. They're, you know, these are they tout them as being handmade, and if you watch the videos, you you see the guy, you know, painting the lettering on the camera, you know, he's got his yeah. little brush and he's painting this and rubbing it off. So um, you know, to that extent it's pretty
0: So handy. do you, in in your opinion, um, do you think that that demand is is on purpose? You know, or in other words, they the the fact that these cameras some of these bodies are seventy what did you say, seventy five hundred dollars or seven thousand plus
1: seven thousand.
0: Seven thousand dollars for the body um, which means the market for that is going to be like this, right? It's going to be very narrow. Yeah. Does do you think in your opinion that okay, Leica is doing that on purpose to do the play to the supply and demand scarcity tactic?
1: Well, I think you know, they've chosen a production level. So, you know, they certainly want to make sure that they don't have any sitting around, they don't want to make them and not sell them. Uh and they seem comfortable with the the level that they've got. Uh certainly having this kind of demand and the lack of supply adds to the allure or the mystique of the camera. Uh, But eventually, you know, the demand will, the the supply will catch up with the demand and it'll be fine. Uh, But right now, you know, you beg, borrow, and steal, you find a dealer who's going to get one and you, you know, you do everything you can. And of course, there's nothing like a discount. Forget that. Um, But let's talk about the lenses a little bit. I think that because the lenses are really, there's there might be a certain mystique, well, yeah, we'll come back, we'll talk about the body and the shooting experience, but let me cover the lenses a little bit, because it's a, yeah. it's a very different world in Leica lenses than it is for other cameras. And I'm going to pull up my notes here, because I can't keep it straight. First of all, the lenses, there's a whole range of lenses, and they have names. For example, there are the Sumacron lenses. there are the Noctilux lenses actually there's only one noctilux lenses. There's the Elmerit series of lenses. These are names that actually just refer to the maximum widest aperture all right so for example uh, the Elmerit lenses are f28 that's what I've got here on this one here. this is a uh, uh, an Elmerit let me turn on the camera here. this is the Elmerit. Uh, which means f/2.8. Uh, this is the uh, 28 millimeter. This it's is kind cool
0: looking. It looks it's like teeny, a, it's It teeny looks it. like an enlarger lens almost.
1: Yeah, it does sort of. And it has this nice detachable hood, which for all that money you'd expect. Mm-hmm. Uh, but it's one of the smallest that they make. This lens, I have to look it up here is $2,200. <laughs> I knew you were going to say something like that. Right? Just for this little one, right? E- now, what's nice about these, I mean, first of all, this is sharp. Uh, here's one way you know it's sharp. You know, you bring something into Lightroom, and you go to the place where you uh, go to the lens profile to correct for distortion,
0: mm-hmm.
1: and with lenses like this, you know, 28 millimeter, you'd expect to click on di- distortion correction and something would happen. Nothing happens. Hmm. because there's no distortion, right? Yeah, They're just beautiful. So, the lenses, all of them, they have aperture rings because they just have a built-in aperture. They have a focus ring because it's manual focus only. They, of course, have the uh, hyperfocal scale on there to show you what's going to be in focus for each aperture. Uh, And that's it. There is no image stabilization. There is no autofocus. So, these are very simple lenses, very light lenses, very small lenses, and they are sharp and expensive. These so are that,
0: so you're, we're talking brute force photography here, without the benefit of technology. No, like you said, none of that auto stuff. It is f stops, shutter speed, and I assume you can play with the ISO, right? Oh yeah,
1: yeah, you can. And they've actually made that moderately simple in the 240. It used to be more painful. So that's the uh, that's an example of a twenty two hundred dollar lens, which is a little bit low end for them. Mm-hmm. Um, This is one of their El Cheapo lenses, this is the Sumerit M, this is a 50 millimeter, Sumerit means f2.5, okay, and um, in this case, I have to look it up, Uh, this is their discount budget line, this is sixteen hundred and fifty dollars. A bargain! That's a cheap Leica lens, and to be honest, I think even the Leica people like a fanboys out there would agree, this is actually not up to like a snuff. This is not what I would call an uber sharp lens. Um, I can see it's just not as sharp as the others. Now, again, thanks to um, Chris over at uh, Snapstation, I was able to get my hands on a let me look it up a 50 millimeter Summilux lens. That's a 1.4 50 millimeter, uh, which cost only four thousand dollars. Jeez. And that was gorgeously sharp. I mean, it was a spectacular lens.
0: Uh, how are big, you judging sharpness? Lens. I'm curious. How, when, you, when you say a lens is sharp, are you, are you like looking at the, 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 the transition in light to dark contrast areas? Are you looking at detail and like eyebrows of people? Where, where, how do you say something sharp and not sharp?
1: That's, that's a good question. And to be honest, working with these lenses has redefined sharpness for me. Hmm. uh what i do is i go i bring the raw files into lightroom and i go to one to one to look at it at a you know basically one screen pixel equals one camera pixel mm-hmm. and a sharp lens if you take a vertical line it means it's going to be dark in one column of pixels and light in the one that's right next to it i mean it it is to the point where the the sharpness of the lens is as sharp is as sharp as the sensor can get it. And, again, if you put even just an anti-aliasing filter in front of that, you'll get some blur from one set of pixels to the next. And these lenses, certainly with the M9 sensor, uh, are as sharp as the sensor could possibly be. And even with the 240, which has a greater pixel density, they're that sharp. So, you don't have to worry about looking at eyebrows and eyelashes and things like that. You can look right at the pixels and say, damn, that thing is sharp. So, Again, I don't. I don't own any. I own about a dozen Nikon lenses, and I don't have any that are this sharp.
0: Yeah. So how I mean, was it? Just before we crazy. continue, how was it yeah. shooting with that? With the this is a rangefinder, and you're wearing glasses, so you're looking through glass, and then some glass, and then some glass, and then you see this the subject. How, how, did, did, does that affect the way that you shoot using the oh, rangefinder?
1: Yeah. yeah, it does. It does. Um, the Alright, so let's go. Let me see. Is there anything else we've got to say about the lenses? Yeah. Uh, I'm just going to see. So anyway, oh, and you can spend, you can spend 11 grand on a Leica lens. Uh, and that's for, remember, they're all primes. There are no zooms made by Leica, right? The mm-hmm. Noctilux 50mm F0.95, right? Which means even if you can get one eyelash and focus the one next to it, it won't be. Mm-hmm. Um, that is a $11,000 lens, all right? And it's yeah. huge, it's huge, because if you think about it, F0.95, to get that much light into a full-frame sensor means you've got some pretty wide glass on the front of that
0: thing. And that's just a lens? It's that just, just a just, lens, yeah. Yeah,
1: right. that's a car. Yeah. That's just. <laughs> I don't even for all I know, I haven't, I haven't actually touched one, you know, for all I know, you pay a thousand dollars just for the case that it comes in, I don't know. Wow. Um, but remember that the lenses are small because they don't have image stabilization, there's no autofocus. There's there's also no electronic aperture control. Think about this. So there's no concept of shutter priority. You can do um, aperture priority. Uh, you can do manual, but you can't get shutter priority with these things. Uh, hmm. But they're they're very sharp. All right. So the rangefinder experience. Yeah. Yes. So that's the big. So the lenses. Love the lenses. I'd actually consider buying a Leica lens for use on my Sony cameras. We'll talk about that in a minute. I definitely um, want to talk about that, yeah, go uh, ahead. And, I, and I've experimented with that. Okay. So the camera is heavy. This camera without the lens weighs as much as my D600, for example, all right? So here, too, doesn't really give you a sense how much bigger the D600 is maybe from that shot. But the D600 is quite a bit larger. But the the Leica M9 is built like a brick and it is heavy as heavy as the 600 so let me give you a look around here first of all there's this um it's so t- it's so silly there's a plate on the bottom just like a film 35 millimeter camera you yeah. turn this you open it up and you see there's even like room for a film canister kind of thing here <laughs> you take the take off this bottom plate to get to the sd card right and the battery which is here well you got to you got to remove that plate to change yeah. to uh-huh. Yeah, you gotta take this plate off and, and drop it and lose it before you can get to the SD card that's in there.
0: Tell me there's a USB port on there somewhere. Uh there's a USB port on there somewhere right here. Okay, good. <laughs> right. Which
1: yeah, there's the USB port tucked okay. away in a little bit, okay. if you if you can see that. Um Okay, let's just look at it real quickly. On the back, there's a the M9 has a crappy L C D. The two forty has a much better L C D. Um uh, it has very primitive menus, but they're good enough because the camera's primitive to begin with. You have a viewfinder for the rangefinder, no diopter control, so that's a problem. That means I have to wear my glasses. I
0: can't Oh wow. off, okay. right?
1: has a standard hot shoe. It has an aperture dial, which includes uh, a um, an automatic setting. Uh, that'll give you, essentially, um, uh, aperture priority mode.
0: Uh, wait, that's an a- wait. Is that an aperture dial or a shutter speed dial?
1: It's a shutter speed dial. Sorry, okay. it's a shutter speed dial with one option that says, "Let the camera pick the shutter speed in order to give you aperture priority." Right. Okay. So you shut the aperture for that. Um, and then of course you've got off, um, single shot, continuous shooting, and self timer. And I love this thing, which is the release cable is you know like from the old film days where you screw in a physical. Uh, you know, I cable, still have some release. of those, those little yeah, plunger right, things, right? Right, right. so they, you know, they had to do that, right? Yeah. Uh, the M9 says M9 on the front. Let me do it that way. It says M9 on the front. Uh, the M9P, they took this off. They took off the M9. They took off the famous red like a dot. Um, who knows why? Um, there's a flash. I haven't used it. Uh, and then there's this little lever here, and we'll talk about that in a second, the, uh, optical, the rangefinder and... That is it. Okay. All right. So the rangefinder experience. So the rangefinder is a split image, which means as you focus the lens, um, there's a little cam in the lens that tells the body what's going on. And that will cause the rangefinder to simulate the focus of the lens, not in terms of the overall view, but in terms of this split image. So you basically have a center area in the viewfinder where you you shift the focus and it has two things that are split horizontally. You line them up. So you you, th- you find some vertical part of your image, vertical line or something, and you focus until the two the upper and the lower parts are lined up and yeah. then you're in focus. It's very accurate uh, but it's not easy to use uh, because there are so many situations for me now I've experienced manually, manual focus for years in old Nikon Fs and things like that. Um, I think I'm fairly good at it, but even after a week of shooting with this, I had troubles. You, um, there are many situations, like let's say you have a horizontal horizontally repeating pattern. Mm-hmm. So As you shift this, you're not sure if you're lined up on the right repeat the repeating object or not. Right. Uh, there are times you're trying to focus on a texture. You can't focus on a texture because you can't discern them in the viewfinder. Um, there are tricks, you know, you can turn the camera sideways for that horizontal problem, there are things you can do, but there are times when this is a difficult camera to focus. Now, the rangefinder, the like of people will say that's a plus. Right? They, they want the whole process of taking a picture to be more deliberate and there's something to be said about that, but the fact is focusing with a rangefinder is never going to be quite as good, let's say, as Peak focusing, manual peak focusing on the Sony. So when I pop these lenses on the Sony, I get a much better manual focusing
0: system. Yeah. Um, the, what about composition, Doug? What about the 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 parallax or whatever between what you see through the rangefinder and what the lens is actually taking a photo of?
1: Yeah, they're compensating for that. So any any lens that is 28 millimeters or tighter, you can see through the rangefinder viewfinder. So you can either you either go full look at the whole rangefinder frame for 28 millimeters or for uh, tighter lenses you know like the 50 you use lines that are superimposed uh, in the viewfinder and that works just fine if you go wider than 28 uh, with this camera the M9 you you have no choice you're stuck Uh, with the 240 you have the option of going to an add-on electronic viewfinder and we can talk about that too but Uh, which is a a necessary evil, I think, with that camera, at
0: -hmm. least in some cases. But that's only on the 240, though, right? Only
1: on the 240, right. Okay. So um, that's the challenge. I have no problem with the rangefinder. It's nice and bright. I like being able to see things well. Um, You know, there's a problem with mirrorless cameras, like the Sony and the Olympus and so forth, which is when you stop them down, it actually stops down the light to the viewfinder. As well. People don't think about that much. You know, our big Nikons and Canons, you focus them wide open and they don't stop down until you actually take the exposure. Right. Well, of course, the same is true with a rangefinder. You're not looking through the lens, so you can stop the lens down all you want. You can take, in fact, here's a great one. You can take this camera, you can put the lens cap on the camera, right? And you can go out and take a whole, the equivalent of a whole roll of pictures. <laughs> You'll think you did great. You get back, you've got nothing because you're not looking through the lens. Yeah. right and you don't realize that so
0: the and you actually did that by accident that's what you're saying right? i
1: did not but, but <laughs> i i thought about what might happen and and i know people for whom that has been the
0: case so anyway, wow.
1: as you say take the lens cap off
0: yes always <laughs> it helps light light entering the sensor actually helps yeah so anyway i'm not a
1: rangefinder fan i you know if they had put a diopter adjustment here on the viewfinder i might have been able to you know push my glasses up to my forehead and gotten in closer, but because I'm slightly back with my eye, I can't see the full 28 millimeter frame. I have to, you know, look from side to side. You know, oh, I've got to yeah. do this, you know, this, and turn it. You know, I'm seeing the right side. I'm seeing the left side. Oh, that, that would drive me cover crazy. That kind of crap. You know.
0: So would it would it be better, Doug, if it had like a the semi electronic viewfinder, kind of like what the the Fuji X100S has, where it's actually doing some heads up data in there?
1: Yeah. Uh, and that's what the, two, the 240 has. The 240 took the Olympus viewfinder, the one I think is from the pen cameras, and they literally use that viewfinder. Um, yeah. And you can buy the Olympus, they don't make the Olympus version anymore, but you can buy them used on eBay, or you can buy the Leica uh, equivalent. It's the exact same thing for a few hundred dollars more. So there's an answer to your earlier question, right? about do they mark these things up. Yeah. That viewfinder gives you focus peaking, it gives you the ability to see the, the the full view through the lens, including the wider angle lenses. So it's important for wide angle. Uh, it gives you the focus peaking, as I said. So it's better, but it's a it's a pretty crappy viewfinder in terms of number of pixels, graininess of image, and so forth. You can you can compose, but you certainly can't appreciate your shots. And you do get some information in there as well. You get more data in this without that in the M nine, for example. All you see is your shutter speed. And your exposure compensation, that's it. So.
0: Yeah, yeah. I think as as I look at this and I'm listening to you and i I'm running these numbers in my head and but, but you know, and then I'm also running that past the fact that there's been a lot of really good photographers that swear by Leica, you know, and and have created work beyond what I'll ever dream of creating with those kinds of cameras. So I'm trying to reconcile like that and my Techno lust for the mirrorless cameras of today with all these crazy bells and whistles and all that stuff in there, like does it make me like does it make a person less of a photographer if they shy away it, price notwithstanding you know if i don 't want to use a camera that's that is going to make me work as hard as that like <laughs> is going to make me work. You know, and I instead go to you know an NEX five R or my OMD or something like that with which much more technology in it. Does it make me a worse photographer or a less capable photographer?
1: <laughs> no, I think that uh, good answer. <laughs> yeah, I think yes. No, because you're you're always going to be a perfect photographer. Yes, uh, yes. Frederick, you in particular. Uh, but I. I think you know there is a lust and there's a curiosity and that's why when we first started doing this show here, the first thing I wanted to do was get my hands on a Leica and say, what is this all about? And um, again, if you want to get this out of your system, go to borrowlenses.com, yeah. rent rent your dream system. You know, uh, it's like you know you're going to turn forty, you know, go rent the Ferrari for a weekend, right? <laughs> get it out of your system, you know, drive it fast. Don't hurt yourself, don't hurt the car, and then take it back. And you'll say, been there, done that, thank you, I feel great. And I was able to get that experience without having to go crazy in my, my own budget. You yeah. know, I had a, I was think trying to think of metaphors. And I used to fly airplanes. And one of the things that the pilots of, of small airplanes do is they'll go out and learn how to fly a glider. And it's like going to full manual on everything, because let's face it, you don't have an engine, right? Mm-hmm. So they're and they're very sensitive so you sort of improve your skills in a glider um, because they they amplify every mistake you can possibly make hmm. right? if your rudder control isn't good they really really make you look stupid if you don't know how to judge how to make it to the runway you look really stupid right because right. you don't yeah. make it to the runway right yeah so to some extent going and you know borrowing or renting a Leica for a week will make you feel stupid, but it will make your process more deliberate. I hope, in fact I think that when I get rid of this camera next week and have to give it back, I'm gonna be a somewhat better photographer because of the time I spent with this camera. um, Because it's made that process more deliberate. So that's who knows? That's that's would my you, fantasy. Would you say that
0: you know, with that process, as people are learning photography, um, and because the borrow lenses is there for people to go grab whatever they want and you know play with it and send it back? Um, would you suggest new photographers go grab one of these cameras to to do that glider-like unforgiving photography experience first, as they're learning things, and then transition into something with more bells and whistles on it?
1: I, I don't think so. I think I would recommend this for the more experienced photographer who's really going to be able to take advantage of the subtleties. Um, I think it's yeah. I think I'd turn that on its head from what you said, which is this: to appreciate what this camera can do, um, I think you need to be a better and better photographer. And as I said at the top of the show, the reason that I'm not going to go out and drop twenty thousand dollars on Leica gear, other than the fact that I don't have twenty thousand dollars to drop on Leica gear, yeah, is um, I'm not sure I'm a good enough photographer for this to really make enough of a difference. So, um, if you you know if you're ready for the challenge and you think you're good enough that you're going to see the difference, you know, get your hands on one.
0: Yeah. Well, look, look, I want to get back to that, that mount that you were talking about because you sort of teased that you were swapping lenses back and forth. How are you able to do that?
1: Yeah. Oh, I have to do one more thing first though. Mm-hmm. I hope you can hear this. I hear yeah, a little click. A oh, hang on a second. Why is it? oh, I see. I got to turn the aperture here. Hang on.
0: It sounds like film,
1: doesn't that? This is the wildest thing. So it sounds like shutter and film advance, doesn't it? Yeah. What they're doing is they're recocking the shutter, but they have. I swear they have gone to all that trouble to make it sound like a film camera. <laughs> Now the two hundred forty doesn't do that. The two forty doesn't have that sound, but I, I, I put that up and I took my first picture. I said, You gotta be kidding.
0: That's you like know? Tesla. That's like Tesla putting the electronic sound of hooves hitting pavement when you hit the accelerator. The yeah, right, right.
1: Exactly. Right. Or a little a little thing in the back going, Yeah with the whip sound. Yeah, mule, yeah.
0: <laughs> All
1: right, so let's take let's take a look at this. Here's a Sony NEX seven. Okay? Okay. Nice camera, cost less than a thousand dollars. I love it. Here's uh, we'll take the cheap lens. So here's the thirteen hundred dollar fifty millimeter lens from Leica. And I'd like to be able to put them together. Oh wait, what have I got here? Oh, wait a minute. I gotta turn the camera on. Here, there's the camera. So Sony NEX. Yep. 50 millimeter Leica. Yep. Uh, for the cost of this lens, I could buy almost two. I could certainly buy two NEX six bodies. Here's the secret sauce. $16. Would you put a $16 adapter on a $1300 lens? We're about to do that. So you put this little puppy on there, and you put this little puppy on there, and now I have a 50 millimeter Leica lens on a Sony NEX7. Wow. And because there's no glass, there's nothing optical in that adapter, it has relatively little impact on the optics, The only issue is whether the spacing from the mount to the lens is accurate, and what happens is you find that you can actually focus slightly past infinity on this, and people freak out and think that's a problem. Well, as long as you can focus at least to infinity, you're okay. The fact that you can focus a little past infinity isn't really a problem. Yeah. Um, So what do I get from this? Well, I get the sharpness of the Leica lenses. I've got the crop factor of the APS-C Sony, so even though it's a it's a 50 millimeter, it looks the equivalent of a 75 uh, full-frame lens. Mm-hmm. But I get focus peaking. I get beautiful focus peaking, which I can't get on that old camera here. Um, I should have set this up in advance for you. But if I go to, in fact, if I had done this on my six, I could get them more quickly.
0: And, you, and it's it's TTL. There's no. It's not viewfinder. It, it, at all. It's all TTL. it's all you got on this thing, right? Yep.
1: So. um I'm used to using the 6. I can never remember how to do everything on this. Focus. No, we won't worry about it. But the fact is that you get the beautiful focus peaking that you're used to uh, from Sony or Olympus or anybody who's got that in their cameras right
0: now. So with a little $16 adapter, you throw it on there, and you just get that on, what, Amazon or something?
1: What Amazon, made from China, sold and shipped by Amazon. I mean, it even came with a different brand name that it was sold under, right? I mean, it's got, you know... I think it's one company that makes three different brands, or something like that. Yeah, but you no, know, I read the reviews, but it works fine, absolutely fine. The lens is firm; it doesn't wobble. It worked all with all three lenses that I tried.
0: Who'd um, want be, to do that, though, Doug? I mean, is that that adapter specifically for people that are? I want to get an NEX, for example, in that example, and but I've already purchased a bunch of Leica lenses and mortgaged my house and car, so I need to make these work on this newfangled camera so I get that adapter?
1: Well, there are a couple of things. First of all, you know, Zeiss is starting to come out with good lenses for these smaller cameras. Um, we're just starting to see like a Zeiss 50 millimeter come out, a Zeiss 35 for the NEX line, for the E-mount. Um, Zeiss and Leica are sort of the classic competitors. They're both German companies. Mm-hmm. Uh, Leica's always been a bit more expensive and probably a little bit better for those who care, but um, before we had the Zeiss choices, if you wanted really sharp glass, you had to go to this combination. You had to go to Leica lenses with uh, an adapter and a Sony body. If, for example, I mean, I might actually get, not this particular combination, but I might get a, a, a 50 millimeter. Um, f four lens uh, out from Leica and put it on this because it would be gorgeously sharp, it would be beautiful, it would look like a 75 yeah. and um, it would be if I wanted to later on step up to Leica bodies uh, that would be a way to do it and remember the Leica body with the same lens is going to give me a very different look than what the Sony gives me. That's, um, again, we can come up with adjectives all day long for what yeah. it is. but. Um, and you know, someday, someday maybe Leica is going to come out with an M mount body that gives me uh, focus peaking in the viewfinder. I mean, if there was a built-in electronic viewfinder on a Leica body, you couldn't you couldn't make enough of those cameras, even really? at seven or eight thousand dollars. People would, would you buy one. I I would probably buy that camera huh. uh, at that point uh, if it had a good built-in EVF. Um, but it has to be good, you know. Next week we're going to be reviewing the uh, the Fuji
0: X two forty, right? I wanted to see that review. Well, right? actually, so I'll be participating. We'll be
1: participating in right? So <laughs> we're going to review this. Uh, this, I'm oh, sorry, not X two forty. It's the X 100s Excuse me, yes. so getting all my numbers wrong. Uh, yes. X 100s which has probably the best electronic viewfinder I've ever seen.
0: So that's a camera that I have been lusting after for like six months, and I still lust after. So. We'll see, you know. And that thing, that thing is in high demand as well, right? I mean, when I went to go get mine, uh, unsuccessfully, obviously, uh, you couldn't get it anywhere. I w- I went into Sammy's in San Francisco, and they were like, <laughs> "Oh, really? You and everybody else wants that camera?" And it's
1: and it's been out for like five, four or five months. So that's yes, yeah, yeah. So I'll, um, I'll get it. so we'll we'll take a look at that. We're going to do that review next. But anyway, so this combination is going to give me, um, you know, uh the sharpest combination I can get on this camera, that I know of anyway, and I have not tested some of the new Zeiss lenses, so I'm not 100% sure if they're any worse. Um, and it is a path for the person who thinks they might want to go to a Leica body in the future. That's the advantage. Okay.
0: It's a gateway drug.
1: <laughs> exactly. Exactly. <laughs> I could not have come up with a better metaphor than that. It's what I do, you know. <laughs> So, uh, let me just see if there's anything anything else that's important to say about these things. Uh, like I said, it's, it's much more of a deliberate process in the photography and that helps a lot. It's that glider experience again. Yeah. Uh, the rangefinder can be very focusing. The camera, of course, is extremely unobtrusive. So Chris Chabot from SnapStation, by the way, let's, let's put a plug-in for SnapStation. If you're a photographer and you want to make some money and you want to find clients, Go to SnapStation.com. How's that for a plug? We'll Love that for it. SnapStation.com. Right, a, a, good, a good friend of, of uh, this weekend in photo. Um, it's unobtrusive. So here, we're walking around the UC Berkeley campus, Chris and I. I've got a little Nikon around my neck. He's got a Canon 1DX, right, with a, with a 24 to 70 big camera, big lens. And we're walking around, and these two women come up. They want someone to take their iPhone picture. Right. Of course. So who do they ask? They don't ask the guy with the little cheapy Leica. They ask the guy with the big Canon, right? So Chris is taking the picture of the women because uh, he gets asked, but I get to take the picture of the women with the Leica. So I get I come home with the picture. So that's a clue right there.
0: Yeah.
1: Um, the metering in both the nine and the two forty is pretty bad. I'm not
0: impressed with the metering at all. Um, how does it? How do you? meter what is it what does that look like what's the it's
1: experience got, you know it's got uh you know your typical metering like you have SLR it's it's through the lens mm-hmm. uh, but it's just a, not a very sophisticated algorithm you know you can easily fool it with backlight um, if you you know if you move the camera a little to one side or the other it swings wildly in terms of exposure so I ended up getting my best shots shots with manual exposure and I think a lot of liker shooters do the same thing yeah um, uh, and uh, and there's not there's not a lot of long glass available from Leica. I mean, the longest Leica lens is a 90 millimeter. There are other people who make M mount lenses that go longer than
0: that. So you're not going, you're not taking that body out birding or to Africa to a safari to get a you know a shot across the tundra of a lion or anything, right?
1: Uh, you know, I'm sure there are people who do. They have longer longer lenses from other manufacturers. Uh, but also, a lot of Leica people say, I'm not taking my camera out in the desert. You know. I don't don't want to put it to that kind of a risk.
0: (laughs) What are you kidding me? You know how much this thing costs? What do you mean? Go take pictures (laughs) of it.
1: (laughs) Uh, Let's talk a little bit about the 240 while I'm looking at my notes here. Um, uh, It's got got better controls because, uh, for example, exposure compensation is much easier to get to than it is on the 9. I like the sensor. The, The camera's even quieter. Higher ISO on the 240. We talked about that. It's got video. But it's pretty crappy video, so I wouldn't bother with that. And and who takes an M9 or sorry a Leica M camera out to do video? I mean, does that make any sense at all? Doesn't
0: make sense. No, no, no I don't think so.
1: Uh, the metering's a little better in that. Um, boy, I almost had a, a, another metaphor. You know, the the uh, the mind is willing, but the body is weak. Whatever that phrase is.
0: Well, the lenses <laughs> are own, the
1: lens. Yeah, right. The lenses are great, but are great, but the body is weak.
0: So what what's your what what what's the bottom line of the for this camera? I mean, we you've said that yeah, go rent it, you know that kind of thing. But give me give me two bottom lines if you can do that. The bottom uh, line for the person that is, you know, like you and I, just the average person that likes photography and and likes you know to geek out on the tech and that kind of thing, right. is this a must have? And then the second bottom line is if money is no object, you know, you you are you're flush and you're looking for the best it's you know the best that, that money can buy because you're gonna sit on your counter when you're when your friends come by for cocktails and you want them to be impressed is this the camera for them
1: okay if you're gonna do street photography if you're going to do even portraits you as long as you're not doing sports or action where I think a rangefinder is a challenge um, this makes this makes a great camera again. If money is no object, mm-hmm. it is. If you want to do, if you still, if money is no object and you're going to do those things like action photography, this is a great second camera or first camera, depending on your perspective. If you have like a lust, if this is you know, if you're the kind of guy who buys a Rolex watch, um, or the woman who buys a Rolex watch, let's be fair about that. Mm-hmm. Uh, this is something that you should try. You should get it out of your system uh, and you, know, you should go rent one from borrow lenses and try it because you will never be satisfied until you do. Uh, as much as we've tried to do a good job in this review of explaining what the Leica experience is like, we failed. I can't describe what it's like to either shoot with this camera or look at the images.
0: You have to um, get it in your
1: hands, right? You, you got to do it and um, I'm glad I had the opportunity I'm also glad that I'm not going to run out and drop twenty thousand dollars on Leica kit right now. But um, it, it's a it's a different world. There's no doubt about it. The the cult of Leica is real, and um, uh, if like I say, if they were to come out with one with a great electronic viewfinder, and I expect they will at some point in the future, um, I'm a candidate.
0: Yeah, it, but but you know when you say at some point in the future. At the same, it, it's not like everyone else is standing still. I mean, you've got Olympus and Sony and Panasonic and Nikon and Canon. All these guys are innovating, hopefully, and doing cool stuff. W- will, will it be too little too late if, uh, if Leica says, okay, you know, finally we're going to do that thing that those guys were doing?
1: You know what? Leica, we call this show all about the gear. With Leica, it's really all about the glass. Mm-hmm. It's the lenses. Okay. And you know these lenses go back and work on the oldest M cameras, the M7, which was a film camera, yep. the M8, which was the first digital. And um, you know when they go to an M20 or whatever they do, uh, or M500, that glass is still going to be the best glass I think you can find out there. And that's that's what it's all about. So you know it's just you know there and there's, there's sensor magic. There's definitely sensor magic, but the glass will last forever.
0: All right. Well, give us give us a little tease um, to, to whet our appetite for the next All About the Gear episode. So you said it's going to be on the Fuji, X100S. The give Fuji us a, X100S. Give us a cliffhanger. All right. Fuji
1: X100S, best electronic viewfinder I've seen, great sensor, maybe the best controls I've ever seen on any camera. I love that they've got the controls perfect in terms of what you need to. Good menus, uh, but... Do you want to have a camera that has a fixed 23 millimeter prime lens and nothing else? Mm. That's the big question. Is that going to be your camera?
0: And I want to. And you'll answer that in the next show. And I know some people will say an emphatic yes, and some will say no. So yeah, I, I'm anxious to hear what Doug Kay says about that after taking it around the neighborhood. That, that's what we're gonna do. All right. Well, Doug, thank you, man. We we uh, despite. The gods on Mount Olympus throwing thunderbolts at Comcast to, to try to foil this show. We've done it. That was all about the gear episode number two. And like Doug was saying, uh, in the next episode, hopefully we'll get it out. I'm not even going to promise when it's coming. No, no, no. <laughs> right. I'm not going to promise. Go I'm go not going to tempt the fates. So next episode, we're going to be talking about that uh, Fuji X100S. And Doug is going to proceed to make me feel bad for not having one, probably. <laughs>
1: hey, wait a minute. I'm the one who talked you out of it. You did. You it's did. my fault.
0: Yep. Yeah. Cool. That's, before,
1: that's before I had one. That's before I had one in my hand, so we'll see. That yeah. Right. And th- we'll see. Thanks again to borrowlenses.com who make this show possible. And um, boy, I sure hope you remember to hit the record button, Frederick.
0: Oh, no. no. <laughs> 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 I forgot. Is that why it says record now up there? Cool. Doug. All right, this is perfect. So, uh, Doug, where where are you at online? In case people want to say, who is this guy? Oh, that's Tell a good me. question. Because
1: I will eventually be putting this on the blog. You can find the blog at blogarithms.com. You can find the portfolio at dougk.com, and I'm all over Google+.
0: Awesome. Cool. All right, man. Thank you. All right. Thank you, Frederick. All right, and thanks for everybody for. for I hate saying tuning in. That sounds so old school. Thanks for watching the stream. <laughs> <laughs> all right. See ya.